Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. We got a busy show today, although uh, as Tanner and I have been kind of joking, we're not, not joking, we're being real about it, uh, we've certainly got ourselves paying attention to what's going on on the board uh, next to us. You heard Kevin Winter on SportsCenter just a moment ago, spending a lot of time on the U.S. Open, not often where you lead SportsCenter in the first half of SportsCenter is all about a second round match at the U.S. Open, but uh, that's what it is. It's Serena Williams on court right now uh we'll watch that we could very well be watching serena williams's final and i and i should um clarify too serena williams's potentially final singles match because uh keep in mind she's still playing doubles with her sister and i think they play tomorrow so uh this isn't totally goodbye if Serena Williams loses, and she could very well uh, lose today because that second set from her opponent, Contavite, the second seed, was uh, was very good. Uh, took that 6-2, but Serena's up one love in set number three. We're going to watch that one as we go throughout the program today. And I know what some of you are probably thinking, oh, we got we got tennis talk during football season. Look, this is not your... Uh, this is not your norm. Uh, it's we're we're not accustomed to talking about tennis at this point in time, but we're also not accustomed to talking about uh, Serena Williams leaving the sport at uh, uh, at this particular juncture. We're reminded she's in her forties. We're reminded she doesn't play all that often anymore. Um, and what she does right now physically is impressive. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll keep track of that as we go throughout the match. But you also know that this has been kind of a spectacle. Uh, we've seen a lot of celebrities. Uh, Tiger Woods is in attendance at, uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, yesterday they had uh, Queen Latifah. They had uh, Billie Jean King was there. They had, a, they had something before the match. Uh, Gail King from CBS News interviewed her after the match. I don't know who's going to interview her tonight. I don't know if they should do an interview after the match. That was honestly kind of awkward. But you know the stars are out because you don't know if you're watching some sort of history. And honestly, if she defeats the number two seed, that's kind of history too. As someone who is unranked, and she is because she doesn't play all that much anymore, again, let me remind you, she's in her 40s. She has never faced someone ranked this high at a major. And so, I mean, this is not your normal second round two seed versus an unranked opponent, but it would still be something pretty special if Serena Williams is able to pull something out. And honestly, she is uh, one point away from a potential break in, in set three, which would be massive. So... Uh, we've got our eyes on that. We'll keep you posted as we go throughout the match there. There's a lot of stuff in football today uh, that we're going to touch on as we go. J.P. Scott's going to join us from uh, Athlon Sports coming up at the top of the next hour. Some of the big headlines today in college football. Uh, we might see an expanded college football playoff. 
in 2024 and 2025. Two years sooner than uh, potentially thought that we would see an expanded college football playoff. And a lot of it obviously has to do with television. You have that. You have uh, transfer portal news. Uh, the NCAA did uh, did look at the transfer portal and did rule to a degree. Unlimited transfers off the table, but uh, some significant movement on the transfer portal uh, certainly done. And so we'll talk about that. And then the other one is that uh, the Big Ten appears that it is certainly looking to expand. We kind of knew that. Uh, but who they're looking at is the next part of that equation and the reports have it as Washington. Yes. Washington has apparently met with the big 10 about a potential spot. And uh, the, the new reports on that say that the big 10 is looking potentially at four PAC 12 schools and they're still trying for Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame is eyeing a lot of money uh, from NBC. So J.P. Scott's going to be with us on that coming up uh, the top of the next hour. And then obviously we're preparing for uh, Western Kentucky. And we're going to talk to their radio analyst, Terry Obie, uh, who's going to join us at the bottom of this hour. Uh, Terry uh, played, I believe, at Western Kentucky. He uh, uh, played for the Bears, played for the Vikings in the National Football League. Uh, I, I, I said went to Western Kentucky, played at Oregon. I beg your pardon. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk with Terry coming up just after the bottom of the hour. You can get in touch with us. You can uh, send us your texts. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And uh, you can send us your tweets at Sports Animals. Uh, and you can get to me at Josh on the radio. But certainly um, the college football landscape Specifically, uh, what could happen with Washington is uh, a, a potential wave mover in college football, um, especially when you think about television. Um, with television, we've heard that the uh, the Big 12 is uh, now stepping in potentially on television rights, trying to uh, work with its partners. ESPN's denying that, um, but they are currently one of the Big 12's partners, ESPN. Uh, along with Fox. Uh, it was long believed that the Pac-12 was supposed to be next on the media rights table, and it appears that that might not be the case if the Big 12 is jumping in line. But that might also be significant if the Big 12 is jumping in line because that also does say that the Pac-12 is once again in, uh, in, in a world of trouble. We've been seeing recently uh, a, a lot of pieces, and I... And I Almost religiously, uh, I read John Canzano uh, because he is, uh, he's based in the Pacific Northwest, but uh, I think he's done a really good job of, uh, of, of covering this. I, I read two. I read John Canzano and I read John Wilner. Uh, from, uh, he, he's got a syndicated piece covering the Pac-12, and they lately have been kind of putting odds on uh, – who could potentially join the Pac-12? Like, what are the odds? Uh, we've seen San Diego State. We have seen Boise State. Although I think a lot of it is Boise State just wanting to feel relevant again. 
because I think Boise State realizes it is not as relevant as it used to be. The other one is uh, is SMU, and SMU is currently in the uh, in the American, and um, you know the American has seen uh, a, a little bit of a change, and SMU is also kind of uh, you know wildly different than the Pac-12 footprint. But we also remember um, regionalities don't matter anymore. And if you can get into Texas, you would love to get into Texas. And uh, I think the Pac-12 realizes, okay, the L.A. window is what it is. Uh, but if you can get into Texas, even if it's SMU, uh, I think you try your best to get into Texas. And SMU, I, look, SMU, mostly private donors that fund, like, for example, I mean, we, we knew this with June Jones. June Jones was not paid by the athletic department. He was paid, he was paid by donors. Um that's how they took care of that job. But uh, you got a lot of donors that um, you know, are a part of that program and certainly elevate that program maybe to be a little bit more than, than what that program actually is. Uh, that would not be a bad draw. Notice you don't have a lot of people um, putting odds on Hawaii, and I think that's kind of been squashed um, based on market size and, and what former television executives have said. But it is now, um, you know, it's not just the Pac-12 now that certainly is is looking at this as, okay, well, what's going to have to happen? See, the the new guy in charge of the Pac-12, George Klavikoff, is in a, in a situation where um, he's got to be as aggressive as he's ever been. And that's huge now because... Uh, the last thing you want to be is reactive. I mean, now seeing the Big 12 jump in line means that George Klivakov is reactive, and, and, and that's not good. So if you want to save the Pac-12, now you've got to add before others, you know, uh, you know, poach first. Otherwise, there's no real reason truly to add. What I mean by that is Oregon's... Every, every day there is no movement in the Pac-12. You're giving Oregon more and more of a reason to leave. Or, and, or I should say Washington, I beg your pardon. Washington is the one talking. But I'm sure Oregon is probably thinking the same thing. Every day that there's no movement, every day that nothing is going on, more and more, um, that's more, that's more of a reason for the Big Ten to keep coming around and saying, hey, well, I mean, look, we're going to get $2 million more if you and others come in. And that means more money than you're already getting in the conference you're currently in. Um, you better think about it. And that's critical. So you want to add while the iron is hot and while everybody's talking about the addition. So, I mean, it's, it, it's not sexy. SMU is not a sexy ad to a conference. San Diego State is not a sexy ad to a conference. None of these are. But if you at least give the reason, look, um, our conference is going to remain competitive. We're still going to have eyeballs. Maybe we're going to have to look at some exclusive uh, Thursday or Friday night windows where you're the only game and people are going to watch you. Um, you know, we're going to do some creative things. You know, maybe we do that. But we're not sitting around. San Diego State could be a really good ad. Um, UNLV, remember George Klivakov is from Vegas, worked at the MGM Grand. Um, he knows that area. 
and he knows the value of UNLV. That would be huge. I mean, UNLV might be the doormat, and they may be an 0-for-team, but you know what? That's still a... Um, that is still a market, and the Pac-12 plays its conference championship in Vegas. So that's only natural. Not just its conference championship in football, uh, but its conference championship in basketball is played in Vegas as well. The real loser in all of this right now um, is the Mountain West. The Mountain West has no leg to stand on to believe that it can be proactive. Now, at least, there's no chance to be proactive. Uh, because now its partners, I don't think, need the Mountain West. Think about this from a, a, a perspective of what a network is is looking for. Fox just added more Big Ten windows. If there's anything Fox might want, they might want some some late football, some some West Coast football, maybe. And, but they currently have that with the Pac-12, and I don't think they want to lose it. What would you rather have? The Pac-12 as it's currently constructed um, or the Mountain West? Probably still the Pac-12 or 10 or whatever it's going to be. CBS, Mountain West rights holder, just added the Big Ten. Um they might get some bonus games. Who know? They have, they have a game of the week. They're going to lose the SEC, but they only had one game of that anyway. The Mountain West does fill some programming for them, but really just for their cable network, which barely gets any viewers. And honestly, the Mountain West is not necessarily triggering a lot of viewers, but they have other stuff. They have, um, I think they have one or two Conference USA games that get sub-licensed, and they get an American Athletic Conference game that gets sub-licensed. But do they, I mean, they might need the Mountain West, maybe because it gives them inventory. But other than that, um, it's not really giving them massive ratings. So what truly is the point? You know, you can't go in right now and say, well, um, you know, we've got all this value. You can't do that if you lose Boise and San Diego State and potentially UNLV and maybe even Fresno. You may not even have a viable FBS conf- conference at that point. And it's a bummer because I know everybody in the Mountain West is going to say, oh, great. What do we do? The answer is nothing. There's nothing you can do except hope that maybe there's a television partner that's willing to come in and say, you know what, we could use some of what you have. I'll give you an example. ESPN lost is going to lose the Big Ten in a couple of years. They might want a little bit of the Mountain West. They got out of business with the Mountain West a couple of years ago. They might want inventory. Maybe the Pac-12 fills that form. Maybe it doesn't. They might want some West Coast stuff, and maybe it is beneficial to them. But if you don't have some of the best in that conference, it might not even be worth a dime. I think the other thing that's worth looking at is the threshold in which television money comes into the Mountain West. The television money that Hawaii got with, uh, or, or members of the conference got with Fox jumping in with CBS allowed Hawaii to get both television revenue and pay-per-view revenue. 
And depending on what happens here in the next two years could very well determine whether Hawaii can still double dip in that. Because if the momentum seems to be going where I think it might be going, Mountain West may not be worth the value that it's currently getting. That means less revenue for everybody. So, um, you know, all of this stuff kind of reminds you how fragile the ecosystem um, in the sport is. And, uh, and, and that is, uh, that's dangerous. That, and, and for, especially for the group of fives, that can be very, very dangerous. Our Zephyr Insurance text lines at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. You can send us your tweets at Sports Animals and at Josh on the radio. Uh, piece of breaking news here. At Aloha Stadium, a helicopter has made an emergency landing. This is at the lower Halava lot. Um, I'm, and I'm reading this alert that's just into us from KHON2. Um, I see the picture of it. Looks like it landed fine. Uh, no injuries, no damages, according to the Department of Transportation. Uh, it, yeah, right at that whole awful lot, which obviously is empty. Uh, doesn't appear to be anything serious, but uh, a, a rare place for a landing uh, at Aloha Stadium. We're also watching uh, what's going on at the U.S. Open. Serena Williams I don't think wants to end her career as a singles competitor, and she's showing that right now. Up a break in the third and decisive set against Contavite, the second seed at the U.S. Open. It is two loves set three. Uh, one set apiece in that match. That is one we're following very closely, as is probably most of America. Uh, watching to see if Serena Williams can prolong her singles career. As she has said, this is likely going to be her last uh, professional tournament that she plays in as a singles competitor. Uh, do want to tell you about uh, our first road game viewing party for University of Hawaii football. Of course, Hawaii's at Michigan a week from Saturday. And uh, Arnold Martinez and I will take countdown to kickoff on the road to Big City Diner in Waipio. That's right. We're bringing the, uh, the tradition back for countdown to kickoff on the road. That's September 10th. We'll be on the air at noon. Kickoff is at 2. You've got Big City Diner Meals, tiny 25-ounce Modelo Especial Draft for $7, prize giveaways as well. A uh, big thank you to Paradise Beverages, Modelo Especial, Diotani Produce, and Coca-Cola. Uh, we'll check on Surf here. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update is coming up in uh, just over five minutes. You know, K Dubs all over uh, the uh, current match right now at the U.S. Open between Contavite uh, and Serena Williams. Uh, that seems to have uh, everybody right now paying attention, uh, including the people that, for whatever reason, went to go get food in the second or third set. What are you doing? Why are you leaving a match at any point in time like that one? Why are you leaving that to go get food? That um, There are certain, certain events where you plan ahead, you get your food beforehand, you, you wait in the line, get early, get in line, and uh, make sure you get your food so when this kind of a match happens, you don't leave. 
So I don't know what those people were doing getting their food in the middle of the match, but you don't leave at any point in time a match like that. Uh, Serena Williams just got another break. She's up 3-1, set three. Kevin Winters got more on that coming up just uh, in just a little bit. Uh, Call the Coaches coming up tonight at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. It starts at 6 p.m. Uh, you can call or text in with your questions at 808-296-1420. Uh, call the coach, of course, brought to you by HGEA, Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW, Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, and PAXA. Sports Center update, and we'll preview Western Kentucky. That's coming up next. It's the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. You know, uh, you know what makes a champion? You see some adversity, like uh, Conservate is from Estonia, the number two seed in the uh, U.S. Open. You're down a couple of breaks, and you come back, and uh, you go all love on serve. Uh, that was impressive, and she had a filthy forehand down the line, uh, but still Serena Williams serving up 4-2 set three at Arthur Ashe Stadium that's at the U.S. Open. We're watching that one very closely. Uh, K-Dub is, as you've heard on SportsCenter. Uh, we'll keep those updates flowing as uh, we go throughout the afternoon. Uh, of course, uh, we like to tell you about DB Grill, where they have uh, seasonal ingredients and contemporary techniques to create savory new dishes and fresh takes on local favorites. Try their POW, the Poke of the Week, kimchi fries, fried nudes, ginger pork, lupchong fried rice, and much more. They're in Kapolei Commons right next to the theater. That's DB Grill seven days a week for lunch and dinner and open Friday and Saturdays till 2 a.m. Visit dbgrillhi.com. Uh, Western Kentucky is a, uh, a pretty big favorite against the University of Hawaii as they get ready coming up on Saturday. Western Kentucky is considered, what, a 16-point favorite? Something along those lines going in. Uh, happy to have uh, one of the voices on their radio broadcast, Terry Obi, uh, who is their color analyst. He joins us now here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. And Terry, I appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time. I know you guys fly out here uh, tomorrow. A-, a lot of people are asking uh, about that game against Austin P, a 38-27 to game there to open the season. Um what do you take away from that season opener? I mean, it's 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 week zero. It is, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people are still learning not only about the opponent but about each other as well. I mean, what do you take away from that Austin P matchup last week? Yeah, first of all, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it was really interesting in that that particular game. Uh, the WKU start off uh, start off really well, and the offense. The, the big thing of the year was just to see how well the offense would would come through and Austin Reed made some good plays and then there was a couple of times he, he was shaky there but I guess overall uh, we did a really good job offensively and uh, defensively and the, the main thing there was also a turnover on special teams so overall they, they did they did pretty well com- compared especially coming in the first you know to t- you know game of the season it, it makes it really difficult. Yeah, that was the first game, obviously, uh, for Austin Reed. The uh, the transfer throws for 279 yards and four touchdowns. And and, and I know there was some turnaround you know, several weeks before the season started uh, in the quarterback room. 
Um, you're you're someone that knows offense. So uh, when you see a quarterback like Reed, what does he present to the wide receivers uh, that he'll be throwing to? Uh, what he presents, he's a, he's really feisty. He's a really good quarterback, and he has a strong arm. But sometimes his arm gets in trouble because he's a gunslinger. He'll try to make those throws in, in tight places. So for a receiver, being a former receiver myself, you love to know that he's going to throw. If he sees a little opening, he's going to throw it to the wide receivers, and that's a that's a that's a good thing. But sometimes they're getting hurt. But the offensive line has really been protecting him well, so it gives him enough time to throw the ball. You know, look and looking at that game. I mean, he threw it thirty-four times. Um, they threw for two hundred seventy-nine yards uh, in that game. Is that kind of along the lines? I mean, there was actually quite a bit of balance offensively, uh, pass and run. Is is that kind of how Western Kentucky wants it to be? Uh, you know, thirty-four passing attempts. They ran the ball thirty-two uh, thirty-two times. Or do you expect to see it slant a little more pass? Um, how, how does that? How should that look? You know, in a perfect world, you know, you want to be balanced. So they were happy that they were able to do that. But uh, the, all, the Western Kentucky offense is known for throwing the ball first. Uh, with Zappy last year, of course, he was at the realm. He could check off and, and make decisions when he want to make decisions. And now I just think that Austin Reed is just getting comfortable with the program. Once he really figures it out and sit there and, and do a really good job, then, then they'll open a playbook up a little bit more to him. But the running backs have been really been uh, taking off and doing well. And, and, and I was expecting them to – uh, they, they did really. Jakari Moses uh, stepped up. Kyle Robichaux stepped up and made some plays. But they have a they have a host of uh, running backs that can do really well. But really, our big key has really been the offensive line. I mean, there's a lot of veterans up there, and and if, if we can be consistent uh, with, with Coach Helton, he he wants to make sure that we can have a balance. That'd be great. But really, they prefer to pass the ball. And for Coach Helton, uh, this is his return to Hawaii. Uh, he was a GA for a year. He worked on the special team side uh, for a few years. Uh, he has certainly grown, uh, hasn't he, from from that point in time? And you've seen him now at, at, at Western Kentucky. You, you've seen a little bit of that growth. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the growth. I mean, because me being a former coach, and I got a chance to just to do some, you know, a little board talk with him and, there's a lot of things that he has grown up in and then hiring coaches, getting players and, and making that adjustment to this level. He has done a, a really good job from where he was in Hawaii. He told me all the stories about being in Hawaii too. So I, I mean, I'm almost, I'm, I'm a professor at Western Kentucky. I wouldn't, that wouldn't be a bad job to go teach at the university of Hawaii either. Uh, my, my last time in Hawaii, uh, when I was, when I, I went to the university of Oregon, but I also took a recruiting trip to the university of Hawaii. Wow. Uh, what did you take away, by the way, from that recruiting trip? Just just curious. You know what? I, I thought it was a really good – I mean, I had a really good time. It was wonderful. I, I, it, was, it was really a close decision. It was either them or the University of Oregon. But uh, I, then I thought about my family being able – having an opportunity to come a little bit more games. So that was really the big kicker in making that decision. But overall, I thought that was a, a wonderful place. I think it was Tommy was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a long time. I'm probably my age, huh? <laughs> yeah, I remember remember that. I just remember the beautiful weather all the time. I'm like, wow, I can get used to this. We're talking with uh, Terry Obi. He's the analyst on the uh, Western Kentucky uh, Learfield Broadcast Network. Uh, he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. By the way, what do you teach? 
I teach uh, sports management, entrepreneurship, and uh, also finance. So I have my uh, doctorate, and uh, so after coaching uh, for 15 years, I decided to get uh, finish my doctorate and, and go teach. I mean, it's it's the same as coaching, but you just have a little bit more time to yourself. Let's talk about defense for just a little bit. I mean, there there are a number of things I I, I take away. You had uh, I think four. You had a couple of fumble recoveries. Um, you know, Austin P did get some yardage in there. Uh, that was also kind of balancing 327 yards, I think, of offense allowed by by Western Kentucky. But take me wait, uh, take me through what you saw from that defense. Oh yeah, the, the defense to me is going to bring a lot. I mean, you got a lot of veterans uh, uh, returning, and they're they're just really making making a lot of plays. I mean, if it wasn't for the defense, you know, the turn we led the turnover battle. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys stepped up, and you got a lot of new guys that stepped up and made some plays too. I mean, to me, Jockhead Jockhead Evans is number three. Uh, had two and a half sacks. He was all over the place. He had thirteen tackles. So he's he's a young guy that I, I think is going to continue to make havoc. And then you got Juwan Jones who had ten tackles. And then after because Juwan Jones is mostly he's a veteran, so he's he's been there. It's his senior year, and then. Ignat, uh, the other linebacker, had six uh, total tackles. But overall, the defense, I mean, they, they came and hit pretty hard. We didn't really know what to expect because we had a couple of corners that were in safety that were missing. But uh, Upton Stout uh, came through and, and made some plays too. So overall, I, I thought they, they, they really was around the football. And then when you get an interception for a touchdown, that kind of that's a really big thing for a program like that. And if you're offensive oriented, if you can – score on defense, that makes the uh, the, the uh, offense even more better. By the way, since we're, you, know, you, you are a former wide receiver, I would uh, it, it would be a disservice of mine if I didn't ask you about the guys uh, who have been hauling in touchdowns the last couple of games. And I saw the stat, you know, Malachi Corley's three touchdowns. Uh, second straight game, a receiver's caught three scores. Uh, Jared Stearns did it back in the Boca Raton Bowl in the last game. Uh, back in the uh, the end of the 2021 season, uh, but talk about Corley and uh, and 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 his uh, his ability to be such an asset on that offense. Yeah, I mean, really, he has really turned around already in the beginning. We call him Malachi Corley for shortly. So he's one of those guys that are just dependable, and he, he gets the route. And then when he gets his hands on the ball, he's he's definitely going to catch it. And uh, the route running and uh, I think this is going. To, he's going to have a really good year. But there's a host of wide receivers that can catch the ball in this type of offense. So you never know uh, who's going to make plays. But of course, Malachi was the one that stood out in um, three touchdowns. That's that's really good. And I don't just call them wide receivers. I call them wide retrievers. I talk to them all the time. If you go down the field, you don't catch the ball. That is your fault. So you don't work that hard. You know, twenty, thirty yards down the field, and I bring that. We call that the bone. You bring that bone back. You're a wide retriever, not wide receiver. You bring everything that's thrown back to the quarterback. You know, there was one other thing that I I, I kind of noticed um, with 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 coach and and uh, his program. I'm looking at that roster, and I see a lot of guys from California. I see guys, you know, Arizona and Texas. You know, sometimes you you might make the assumption. Uh, in that area, that heavy recruiting there around the state of Kentucky and those neighboring states, and there's certainly a lot of that. Um, but a lot of that outreach in seeing some of those uh, some of those states in the western part of the country, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. I mean, really, 
it's it's as a broadcaster, you would know now. It's hard to know what's going to happen from game to game with this, you know, this transfer portal from year to year. You don't know what's going to take place. You don't know the talent. You don't know what they're capable of doing because all you do is watch film. It doesn't matter where they live or what school they went to. I mean, if you watch video, you can recruit these kids all over the country and, and just make them offer to come to your school. So it's like the wild, wild west, literally. So whoever is available, they just go get them. And, and also, you got to understand the West Coast ties with with Coach Helton. His brother was at USC for a long time. So he, he was familiar with recruiting a lot of these guys that we have on this roster. That's Terry Obi, the uh, analyst for the Western Kentucky uh, Learfield Sports Radio Network. Terry, I appreciate your time. Have a safe flight tomorrow. We'll see you on Saturday. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you guys, though. All righty. Good, good luck with the rest of the show and also the game, okay? I appreciate Bye-bye. it. Thank you, Terry. That's Terry Obi uh, from the uh, Learfield uh, Western Kentucky Radio Network. Uh as we go to our M. Dyer Global scoreboard, which is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future, it is final from uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Serena Williams is on to the third round at the U.S. Open, and what a dominant third set that we just saw Serena Williams put together over Contavite, the number two seed. Serena had a triple match point there toward the end, but she had several breaks on uh, Contavite as well. So Serena Williams advances into the third round at the U.S. Open. We'll have uh, more on that on uh, SportsCenter. By the way, final line, 7-6, first set tiebreaker, 2-6 in the second, and uh, 6-2 in set number three. So what a result there. Uh, And the crowd on their feet as uh, Serena uh, gets a hug from Mary Jo Fernandez, former tennis player, um, ESPN analyst, uh, and very much pro Serena Williams crowd there uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Other scores, uh, they're underway in uh, L.A. Angels, Yankees, no score. Bottom one, that's on our sister station, CBS 1500. Top nine in Cincinnati, Reds, Cardinals tied at two. Bottom ten in Miami, uh, Marlins trailing the Tampa Bay Rays two to one. Uh, top of the eighth inning, Toronto Cubs lead the Blue Jays seven to five. Seattle four, Detroit three, top of the ninth inning. Atlanta trying to close out the Rockies three to nothing. Top of inning number nine. Bottom five in Chicago, where Tony Larusa is out indefinitely. Two to one White Sox leading the Royals, and they are underway in Arizona. Phillies and Diamondbacks no score. Top one. That's your M Dyer Global scoreboard. Brought to you by M Dyer Global. Always on the move. This is the Sports Animals. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. We will uh, we'll, we'll get another update. Sports Center coming up in uh, just a few moments. Obviously, the uh, the news of the hour is uh, Serena Williams is on to the third round at the U.S. Open. Uh, but we'll get back to college football as well. In fact, coming up at the top of the hour, uh, J.P. Scott is going to join us. And uh, uh, one of the things we'll get to with him, the, the news of the day in college football surrounds the transfer portal where there is news on that today it is also uh, surrounding uh the potential expansion of the college football playoff and the possibility that uh UW could be joining the Big 10 as uh, word came down today that uh, they met with the Big 10 regarding potential membership the Big 10's looking to add they want to get a couple more million dollars and uh, that might what 
that might be what they're trying to do. So um, we'll talk with JP about that coming up at the top of the hour. We still got University of Hawaii football tickets to give away as uh, Hawaii has Western Kentucky coming up on Saturday. And uh, we also have uh, volleyball tickets to give away as uh, Hawaii opens up uh, three matches in four days starting tomorrow night. Uh, We've got a family four-pack of tickets for you to win. That's coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, But back to Serena, since that's kind of the, the moment to react to right now. Wouldn't... I, I can't put it past her because she hasn't played all that often. Uh, she is unseated coming into uh, I- into the U.S. Open. So I, it's it's not like anything would be kind of like a, an upset. But just consider for a moment the potential that Serena Williams makes a run to the second week of the U.S. Open potentially to a semifinal, potentially to a to a U.S. Open final. You can't rule it out because she is incredibly capable. Um, but how cool of a story would that be? Like I, I know this is this this is potentially the Swan song and she's kind of left the door open slightly, but she's also kind of made it clear like she's she's starting the road to retirement. like she is she is winding this career down at least on the singles end. Um, I don't rule out the possibility that she plays in another major, whether it is uh, Wimbledon next year. I don't know how you can resist playing at the U.S. Open next year. I, I'm not sure how you uh, how you resist that. And watching the last few matches, I think almost helps to reinforce that. Uh, she can still play. The smoke on her forehand is still something that you know, players half her age still can't match. I mean, she is still swinging it away um, at her stage in her career. And her serve, one of the reasons why she got back in into that match in set three was her serve. And, and that was so huge as well. I wouldn't be shocked to see her uh, take another run at a U.S. Open next year. But I wouldn't be shocked to see a, a deep run into the second week now. Uh, she showed today against the number two ranked player in the tournament that she can certainly uh, still play with the best of them, even though she's playing now on, on kind of a limited schedule. John, thank you for calling in. How are you this afternoon? Hey, how's it? Go, go Serena. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually calling about uh, conference alignment. Uh-huh. And to talk about muddy waters. So the Pac-12, they, you know, they, I guess they have to investigate expansion. And, but you got your top two guys that don't want to be there. Oregon and Washington do not want to be there. They'll they'll drop at a, of a hat if if the Big Ten was to invite them, and they probably will get invited this year or next or whatever. And then so you're looking at UNLV. San Diego State, and I, I guess I heard you say Boise, Boise and Fresno. Yeah. If if you are if you are Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, 
do you really want to be there? I mean, seriously? Um, what do you rather have? Arizona Baylor this weekend or Arizona Fresno? Do you want to have Utah UNLV or Utah West Virginia or Oklahoma State? You know what I mean? It's like those teams will leave. I, I know supposedly Arizona State doesn't think highly of the of the big – no, no, Colorado doesn't think highly of the big 12 where they came from. But I, I just cannot see them being happy with San Diego State, UNLV, you know, Washington State, Oregon State. That's that's your that's your conference when you can when you can have Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Baylor, Texas Tech. That is Cincinnati. There's BYU. You know, I, I just don't see how to the Pac-12. If I was the Mountain West. I will keep on pushing for it. Give it another couple years because if 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 all if the Oregon and and Washington leave, then the Mountain West is not that much different than the Pac-12 without those schools. Especially if Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State both, then then it basically is the Mountain West. Yeah, it, it may not. It, it may not be much more different. And John, thank you for calling in. It may not be much more different, but the money is, um, and, and that makes all the difference in the world. And, and I think when you mention Utah and and, and Arizona, and Arizona State, it, you say all that kind of assuming that they have a chance, that they have a chance to get out and go to the Big Twelve, or um, you know, have a say in that. There are tiers to this, and we'll, and we'll get to that coming up a little bit later on. want to remind you about Rivals Fantasy Football. Uh, if you missed the show today, check it out online, ESPNHonolulu.com, and listen in live every Wednesday at 8. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman uh, nearly couldn't get into our draft today. That would have been, uh, that would have been disastrous. But uh, they get you ready for your draft and for every week over the course of the football year. Rivals Fantasy Football brought to you by Rival Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outriggers. Sports Center next. Great to have you in. You're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Thank you so much for allowing us in. College football, big story today. Uh, well, several college football playoff may see some expansion. Uh, big 10 may see some expansion again. And uh, we'll, we'll get to uh, potentially the transfer portal as well. Lots to get to. Uh, JP Scott is uh, joining us now from Athlon Sports. Uh, here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. JP, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Uh, I want to start with that news that we got earlier today on the potential that the college football playoff expands to 12 teams because I thought we would have been dead on this for um, for several years because we thought, okay, we'd, we'd wait until the end of the contract. We thought that that was what was going to happen Um but it looks like we might change course, and maybe the presidents might be uh, might be on board on this across the different conferences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Josh. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, conference or playoff expansion, you're not going to hear any argument from me. Uh, more football is always a good thing, and uh, in terms of the contracts and all that, I mean, if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, they don't mean anything. Whether we're talking about conference alignments or playoff expansion. 
if there's a way to make more money, the powers that be are going to get their heads together and figure out how to make more money and make it fast. So uh, not a big surprise to me. And, and I'm excited. Uh, they're talking about 12. They're, they're leaving the door open for 16. Um, the more the merrier. I mean, at this point, even with 12 teams, you'd still be the smallest playoff at any level of college football. So, uh, yeah, let's let's pack them in there. I would love to see 16. I've always advocated for 16. Um, but I think the biggest question about what the presidents would have to unanimously agree upon is, um, well, the conference is first and the schools, then it gets to the presidents, is how do you make up the twelve? And, uh, and I wonder if that is something that they can universally get behind and get around. Because if you can't figure out how you're going to get to that 12, that could still be that sticking point. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we we got to figure out how many conferences we're going to have. I mean, you, you just took a call from somebody that was talking about that, who's going where and what conference. I mean, we don't know if we're going to have 10, 9, 8, 15 conferences. I mean, it, it, a lot of it depends on who lands where. Um, and then once you've got that figured out, I think even with 12, first of all, I don't know that you're ever going to have more than 10. I mean, if you go 12, you could give auto bids to all 10 conference champs and then have the top two remaining in whatever, like the current, current playoff rankings would be, have them be your at larges. Or if you just wanted to work in what would be the power five auto bids to the power five, and then use your rankings to fill in the at larges, whatever you want to do. I think they'll figure it out. I mean, um, I'd like to think all the people in that room are smarter than you and me, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're not. So who knows? But uh, yeah, they're, they're gonna they're gonna get away. And I would like to see, uh, and especially and so so with uh, your listeners out there, of course, uh, with a group of five team in the backyard. I'd like to see the door open for a group of five teams, multiple group of five teams, to get in it and uh, and prove their worth, just like Cincinnati was able to do this year. I guess if you wanted to do that, how do you do it? Um, you know, do you? Do you do it in a way where, like you said earlier, I, I'm a big believer in, in giving every conference champion an auto bid. Um, is is that the way to do it, or you know, how, how do you envision that? I, I think I think you would only do uh, you could only do that realistically with a group of fives if you went to sixteen. Um, unfortunately, like I, I I wish you could do it, do it with twelve. Uh, I think you would do it at 16 and then because uh, then you'd have 10 champs and then six at large and everybody would be happy. I think with 12 teams, say you've got a, still a power five, you give auto bids to the power five and then fill in the at large, the rest of the 11 teams. And again, use the current rankings that you have in the ranking system. So like a Boise State, they climb up to number nine. They're going to get in. You know, I think that's how you would do it. You would have maybe your one or two strongest group of five teams in there, according to whatever the rankings are. But then even then, you're going to get in some arguments because now there's going to be years when Boise and Coastal Carolina and Central Florida, you know, you could have three undefeated teams that never cross paths. And then depending on their strength of schedule, they may not be high enough in rankings. Yeah, that would get messy. And that's why, um, like you, I favor a 16-team playoff with 10 auto bids, just like they do March Madness. J.P. Scott's joining us from Athlon Sports uh, here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. So uh, you were listening to the show before you came on and you heard uh, one of our callers talk about, well, you know, why would you want to be in a Pac-12 with uh, uh, San Diego State and Boise State and UNLV if that were to be the case? So, I mean, let's, let's go backward a little bit. I mean, one of the other pieces of news today, allegedly, uh, Washington went to go meet with the Big Ten, uh, I believe it was this week, about potential membership. Uh, hearing that tells you what? 
Well, it tells me that the Big Ten is continuing to do what they're they're doing. Uh, as far as the Big Ten goes, this is what everybody doesn't, I don't know, some people understand this, but there's a lot of casual fans that really don't understand expansion. Expansion is all about television markets. And right now, the Big Ten wants to get BTN into Seattle. That That's what you would be doing with Washington. You want Big Ten football games in the Seattle market. So if you're just a one-off, uh, you're a Boise State, for example. Boise State's got a great history or whatever. Nobody wants Boise State in their conference or power conference because they don't add anything monetarily. They add, they add a name here and there, but they don't add a television market. Washington adds the Seattle TV market, and if the Big Ten wants them, they'll go get them just like they went and got the two L.A. teams. You know, I'm, I'm still interested as to why Boise State still comes up, though. Um, because, I mean, I've seen it in several articles. Even though it's not the Boise State that almost went to the Big East, um, they mm-hmm. still seem to come up from time to time, and I wonder why, because you're right. I mean, it's it's not a big market, but it's almost like they are a, a, a brand name that some people still feel kind of transcends that. Yeah, and, and that that would be it. It'd be the brand. I mean, you, you say they, they joined the Big Ten, let's just say, and then all of a sudden Ohio State against Boise State, that looks good. I mean, regardless of the market there, that is a game that looks good. Um, you, you could argue that that's kind of what, is going on with Nebraska where, you know, Nebraska had a brand name, um, not a huge television market. You know, you've got two decent sized cities, but it's not like a huge Metro. Um, but they bring that, that, well, when they were relevant, they, they brought that cachet that, Oh wow. Nebraska versus Michigan. That's must see TV, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's where Boise would come in and, and be bring value. But I mean, the bottom line up front, you're, you're looking at trying to get big cities. And I'll throw this out there, too. The other guy, uh, your previous caller mentioned, oh, I don't want to be in a conference with San Diego State, UNLV. Uh, that's, that's two programs that the way that they're throwing up facilities and the cities that they're playing in, uh, look out. Because th- those two programs could be rising quickly, regardless of the success on the field. Their positions in those cities and their facilities align a lot with what some of these power conferences are doing. Yeah, I mean, especially Vegas and and, and Vegas uh, where UNLV is 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 obviously a market. But I I think to the mm-hmm. other part, and I I didn't have a chance to expand on it. If it, there are certain tiers, I believe in in this college football alignment system on where you might stand, and I feel like the the schools that that he mentioned, like in Arizona state, for example, I feel like those schools are on a tier of, well, we can't do anything, but just react. Like they can't be in the proactive mode. Um, you know, all they can do is react. And if they want to go somewhere, it's because they're asked, not because they're the one driving the bus. Oh yeah, for sure. And I could, I could see the big 10 saying, Hey, Phoenix is nice too. Let's go get Arizona state. Uh, but yeah, Arizona State's not going to be knocking on anybody's door saying, "Hey guys, where is Arizona State?" Everybody doesn't say, "Well, okay, just sit there until we're, we figure all this out." And that's what the Big Ten's doing. Everybody thinks the Big Ten's just firing from the hip. This is all calculated. They're not. They're not doing anything just willy nilly here. And that's that's why. Uh, and the same with Notre Dame. That's why Notre Dame's just not jumping ship. Everybody, Notre Dame and the Big Ten, they're very smart. They're sitting there. What is best for us? Let's wait for the d- dust to settle. See where all the chips fall see what ends up being the best move for all of us. The Big Ten might not want Notre Dame. There, there might be a path where, where Notre Dame brings them value without being in the conference, and, and they both you know, they both benefit from that. So, uh, But, yeah, Arizona State, uh, they can bring value because of their market, but they're, not, they're just somebody that's got to sit and wait and you know, wait till everything uh, straightens itself out and if, if there's a place for them. 
J.P. Scott joining us from Athlon Sports. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. The other kind of big thing today, uh, the transfer portal. Um, I, I guess you could say it's been um, – streamlined's not the word, but maybe it's a little more organized – uh, the unlimited transfer thing has been thrown out, but now you've got transfer windows. So for football, uh, you have a 45-day period after championship uh, championship selections are made, and then you have a second window from May 1st to 15th after spring camp. What do you think this adjustment to the transfer uh, transfer portal uh, does, especially in that sport? And by the way, this is more than just football, but what do you think it, it does for that sport specifically? I, I like it. I think, it, as you mentioned, it kind of cleans it up a little bit. Um, and, and those two time periods are, I mean, that's right when guys are making decisions, you know. I mean, your season's over. Okay, do I want to hang around here? Or, or it, am I clearly not going to fit in? Or do I clearly fit somewhere else? So right after the season, great. Give me give me some time to do that. And, and, and all the schools are kind of in recruiting and signing day mode anyway. So it kind of blends right in with the recruiting and signing day periods as well. And then you, uh, you know, after spring ball, of course, gosh, you could go into spring number two on the depth chart, and if you, you leave spring number four, or number five, well, you're looking for somewhere else. You're looking for a home, and, and now you now you've got a window where you can do that. And the colleges, uh, the schools, the teams, they're going to be looking at that as well. Hey, we got a guy who didn't pan out the way he, we thought he would have, and let's see who else is out there. So I like it. Um, I, I like the freedom of movement that the athletes have. I don't want to see it. Re- um, restrain a whole lot i'd rather see them kind of attack the nil stuff that's kind of going sideways but uh yeah this this is nice i like that i like the move all right let's talk about this weekend which actually starts tomorrow um games you're paying attention to this weekend yeah i've got six of them and two of them are tomorrow night uh west virginia at Pitt. i'm interested in that just because uh the two quarterbacks there are familiar names from other places jt daniels will be under center for west virginia and former USC quarterback Keaton Slovis will be under center for Pitt. Uh, Pitt looks good. I mean, you know, they lost Kenny Pickett. They lost uh, Addison. But they replaced them with Slovis and, and an All-American receiver, a freshman All-American from Akron. Uh, Pitt's loaded. They are they're impressive. And I think, I think they're on a mission to, to tell everybody that last year's conference title wasn't a fluke. Uh, I'm also looking at Penn State and Purdue. I really want to see Aiden O'Connell under the bright lights on a national stage. I mean, We've heard that you know he's a possible high NFL draft pick, so I want to see how that works out. Uh, I wrote an article, came out today actually, uh, upset watch. I put Georgia on upset watch against Oregon. Uh, Oregon went into the horseshoe last year and took down Ohio State early in the season. Georgia lost a lot of people, and I know they recruit really well, and they're just going to reload, but it's the first week of the season, and this team is not as good now as they will be five or six weeks from now. They are ripe. I think Oregon can go in there and give them a hard time. I'll be paying attention to Utah and Florida. Uh, Brian Kelly's um, debut uh, was at Sunday night in mm-hmm. Baton Rouge. Uh, LSU hosts Florida State. And then, of course, the gem of the weekend is Notre Dame at Ohio State. I think that's going to be a great game. I don't really understand the spread on that. I, I think that that one's sort of uh, they're luring people in there. Um, you're going to see that's going to end up being a closer game. You're talking about – uh, I know Ohio State's really talented, but this is a Notre Dame team that's got one of the best offensive lines in the country, one of the best defensive lines in the country. Uh, they lost Kyle Hamilton. They replaced him with an All-American safety from Northwestern. And then under center is Tyler Buckner, who people saw a little bit last year 
in certain situations and packages. This is a former five-star kid. He was a five-star before the pandemic. Dual-threat quarterback. Now he's, the job is all his. He's going to be a handful for that Ohio State front seven. So pay attention to that game. Um, Ohio State's on upset watch, too. They'll probably win it, but I'm telling you right now, that 17-point spread, if you're a gambler, I don't know, do you talk gambling on your show? At all? Oh, we <laughs> just did. Do, I, okay, <laughs> well, I'd slide some money. I'd slide some money on Notre Dame to uh, on the backdoor cover there. I think that's going to be a really good game. There you go for uh, for entertainment purposes only. Um, by the way, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Pitt and West Virginia. Uh, Keaton Slovis only threw some uh, some very expensive gasoline on uh, what is already a pretty interesting fire in the backyard brawl with the uh, bleep West Virginia. Uh, just you know, shortly before the game, that should make that very very interesting. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Both both those games on Thursday night, I, I'm really happy that college football is putting some uh, some high-profile matchups on these early week, uh, early games. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think um, most of this really I, – I, you know, what I like is you have a lot of these kickoff classics um, that are right in here in, in week one where it, – it, well, I guess the unfortunate part is you've got some great matchups in week one and then – um, you almost front load it. Your next couple of weeks out of conference are slightly weaker, and then you get into conference yeah. and things are a lot better. But uh, you know, they they certainly kick off the season in week one uh, w- with style for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be glued to my TV all weekend. So, hey, uh, sure you will be too. Oh, uh, I will be until we have to work with that uh, Hawaii Western Kentucky game uh, coming up on Saturday. <laughs> uh, JP, good to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Anytime. Take care. All right. JP and all of our guests appear courtesy of our hotline uh, here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, By the way, tomorrow on our sister station, CBS 1500, we will uh, help kick off the college football season. Penn State and Purdue. That's tomorrow, uh, 1.30 broadcast time. JP Shadrick, Ryan Harris will have the call of that. Uh, that is on our sister station, CBS 1500, Hawaii's information station. Uh, so make sure you check it out there. Uh, speaking of football, let's give away tickets. Hawaii Western Kentucky on Saturday. I've got two tickets for you to win. Uh, your ability to win those will be based on whether you can answer some trivia. Call in at 808-296-1420. We'll do that trivia coming up on the other side of this important pause. But first, uh, Call the Coach with Timmy Chang uh, returns tonight at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lua Shopping Center. We take your uh, calls, obviously, because it is Call the Coach uh, at 808-296-1420. And we take your texts as well to that same number uh, as you can uh, connect with Coach Timmy Chang leading into this week one matchup as Hawaii looks to bounce back off the Vanderbilt loss. Call the coach also brought to you by HGEA, Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, PAXA, IBEW Local 1186, and Hawaii Pacific Health. Traffic here, tickets to give away. That's next. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Just take Sports Center update coming up in just a little while. Uh, for those of you that uh, did not get the update on Serena Williams as she advances onto the third round of the U.S. Open, 
Uh, Kevin Winters got that update for you in just a little while. Uh, let's give away tickets. It is Hawaii and uh, Western Kentucky coming up on Saturday, and Thaddeus is in at 808-296-1420. Thaddeus will have the uh, first opportunity to win those tickets. How's your uh, How's your Wednesday afternoon going? It's going pretty good. All right, good to hear. All right, question is this. How many previous meetings have there been between Hawaii and Western Kentucky? Uh, I'm going to say two. No, the answer is not two. Uh, uh, a hint here, I guess, we will give. The question might have sounded like a trick question. Kind of. How many previous meetings have there been between Hawaii and Western Kentucky? That's the question we're asking and trying to determine who is going to win tickets to see the Hilltoppers and the Bows uh, coming up on Saturday at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. Uh, Chance is going to try it here. Chance, take a chance on this question. How many previous meetings between Hawaii and Western Kentucky? I missed the last guy, but I'm going to say zero. Well, the last guy didn't say zero, which is why uh, you got the opportunity to call in. That's good. Uh, The answer is zero because they've never met before. This will be the first meeting between Hawaii and Western Kentucky. Nice job. Right on. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to guess that you took the hint of it being a trick question, and that probably allowed you to figure it out. Well, actually... I, I, I've been a UH fan for a while, and I just don't remember them playing Western Kentucky before. <laughs> uh, that works, too. Uh, the diehards know it, uh, which you did. So you're going to check out the game coming up on uh, on Saturday. Nice job. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Chance, for listening. More opportunities to score University of Hawaii football tickets uh, coming up. Listening to the uh, Sports Animals, filling in for Bobby Curran on the Bobby Curran Show tomorrow morning from 6 to 9. They will also have Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets uh, for you to check out Thursday's uh, volleyball matches, which include Hawaii in action in what is going to be another very, very difficult uh, series where you got three teams, one ranked, one in the others receiving votes, and uh, the one that's not, West Virginia, uh, Reed Sunahara coaching that team is going to be especially tough. Uh, so Hawaii's got its work cut out for it after an 0-3 start to the year. Uh, great interview, by the way, with uh, uh, Kanoa Leahy talking to Tiffany Westerberg earlier today. Uh, they talked about her kind of moving around back to a position that, uh, that she kind of likes uh, as she had to adjust a little bit there in the opening weekend of the year. If you missed that, you can check it out on demand. Uh, the uh, Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy. You can check that out on demand a little bit later on today uh, at ESPNHonolulu.com. Uh, Sports Center coming up. We'll, we'll take a look at surf as well in just a little while. And and we'll go back to something we talked about a little while ago with, uh, with, with college football. We talked with jp scott at the top of the hour about the idea that the college football playoff could expand because now they are talking about it again and it could very well happen uh for next year's college football playoff i want to have confidence 
that this is indeed going to happen. But I don't want to get burned. And I feel like we were very, very close to this before. And it didn't end up happening. And I would hate to be in a position um, where we find ourselves kind of, um, you know, getting our hopes up. And then it all of a sudden doesn't really happen. So that that's my concern when uh, when we look at this college football playoff scenario. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, coming up next. Surf is on the way here. Sports Center uh, with the latest on Serena Williams advancing as well as the night of Major League Baseball. Hey, we got Tommy Trumpet today too. How cool is that? Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. not sure how to feel after uh, reading this fortune that I just uh, took away from my fortune cookie I just knocked down during the break. I don't know why. We we felt in studio a little while ago that it was best to go uh, eat a fortune cookie. You know, um, it, it's like our our uh, our halftime snack. You know, you, you go into the locker room. You, you need something to kind of hype yourself back up, get you refueled, re- recharged for the second half of the show. For us, that was a fortune cookie. And then I immediately read the fortune in the fortune cookie, and I thought to myself, am I doing this right? The fortune in my fortune cookie read the following. New interests and new ideas lead to new friendships. Now, the way I read this from the fortune cookie didn't really feel like I was reading a fortune. It felt like I was getting uh, I was getting lectured. You, if you want new friendships, you know, be original. Make new ideas and make new interests. That's what I felt like I got from my fortune. My fortune was telling me to shape up instead of you know maybe um, maybe give me some encouragement. Tanner, by the way, did you keep your fortune? Or did you throw it away? <laughs> he threw it away. No, no, you kept it. All right, Tanner, what was uh, what was the fortune in in your fortune cookie? By the way, this is the uh, the unofficial the sports animals halftime report brought to you by no one. Tanner, your fortune, please. Any endeavor requiring bravery will be rewarded, if only with the courage to try again. Any endeavor. Which bravery will be rewarded. I believe is an unhealthy behavior to have. To mm. think that anything that you do, as long as you, you're brave, you'll be rewarded. I, I don't think that's a very healthy thing to think, to have actions, to only do actions with the thought that you'll be rewarded in the end. Are we regretting what we just did? I think it's, I think we could take this as a lesson. Um. <laughs> I think these should be called bad advice cookies, mostly. <laughs> um, not really sure where the these, fortune these are, is. These are lecture cookies. I guess what they, they are. They said the word reward, <laughs> so that can be like a synonym for a fortune. The cookie was good. If you kept your fortune from the last fortune cookie you ate, uh, share them with us via our uh, our Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. I just want to hear better fortunes than these. That's all. 
Um, I I feel like some I I ate a cookie, a hand reached out from the fortune cookie and pushed my head down and made me feel smaller in size. That's um that's not a great feeling to have. It also and and by the way also the fortune cookie did nothing to uh, to fix my hunger. <laughs> so we went over to on the uh, on the halftime fortune cookie. That that didn't do anything for us. Uh, just saw this come down on uh, on an expansion of what has been kind of a developing story over the course of the day uh, surrounding college football. Looks like we will get conversation about uh, a college football playoff and the college football playoff board is going to meet virtually on Friday. Uh, this is according to uh, ESPN's Heather Dinich and Pete Thamel. That could accelerate playoff expansion as early as 2024. It will take a unanimous vote from the 11 presidents and chancellors who uh, are a part of the college football playoffs board of managers. A source says there's definitely momentum. It initially said... Uh, it would be 50-50 whether there would be any kind of vote. And uh, whatever kind of opportunity this is, um, is, is going to be a question mark. Back in February, we had this conversation. It was an 8-3 to three vote. The three conferences who declined or you know, declined the potential expansion at that point, uh, the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12. But keep in mind... Um, the Big Ten, Big Ten now is uh, expanding. The Pac-12, they are contracting, but still I think the Pac-12 wants an opportunity to have a seat at the table. And the ACC, um, they're also one of those conferences that it's hit and miss. Clemson, when when Clemson's good, Clemson's an, an, an easy college football playoff opportunity when Clemson's not um, the ACC is usually behind uh, the ACC lately is fairly relied on Clemson uh, to be good they have talked about a 12 team format there has been talk about 16 and, and Mike Oresco from the American has brought this up but I am not keeping my hopes up about this. I want to. I mean, I I think the format is fine now, but I'm a big believer in, in more being better. There's more money surrounding, and I do believe that we should see opportunities for every conference champion to play in the college football playoff. I will not get off of that hill. Um, you know, I, I want to see an opportunity for a Mountain West champion. I want to see an opportunity for a MAC champ. And I do believe that could mean, you know, it, it may not be a SEC versus Sunbelt winner, but I think you could have an opportunity. What if a Pac-12 champion is facing um, an American Conference champion and the and, and the group of five the group of five team wins? What if that happens? I think that is likely. You may have one upset a year, if that. But one, maybe even every a couple of years, is good. But that's only if we get to 16. And my worry is we're back to this conversation. All right, here comes Friday. 
and we'll get these presidents and, and chancellors together, and then we're going to find ourselves disagreeing again where it looked like we were getting closer to it back in February. Um, and I don't want to get my hopes up on it because every conference has their own interests. Some because, well, they, you know, they... Uh, they uh, they want to see more seats at the table for their conference, and some because they fear they won't have a seat of their own if not for expansion. John, thank you for calling in at 808-296-1420. How are you this afternoon? Hey, as far as this college football playoff uh, goes, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you, can't, you can't get it fast enough. I'm like... Uh, you know, when you see the same couple or three teams every year, it's boring. It's like you know, in basketball, a couple years when you had, like, uh, Cleveland and Golden State, and you knew before the season was, uh, like, who's going to be in the finals, uh, that, that kind of stuff is boring. Last year, you had all kinds of new teams in the, uh, like, I, I know it's the NBA, but I'm just saying, when you have new teams and exciting new stories, it's a lot more interesting. It's just, I'm just getting tired of a sport where you, uh, you know, where you, where you see, it's almost like predetermined from about the middle of the season, you know who's going to be in the playoffs already and or like what's going to happen. And I just think that, uh, you know, the playoff thing just gives you uh, more of a, a chance to have a new story or something exciting. And it's like, uh, I don't know why anybody wouldn't be for that. I, 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 well, of course, if you're one of these teams at the top and you don't want anybody to ever knock you off or something, but, uh, you know, I just, I, I wish, to, I wish they had that, that uh, 16 team playoff. I wish they had it yesterday. So, Anyway, that's my thoughts on the subject. All right. Hey, John, thank you for calling in. I, I appreciate you listening. Um, my my only question when I hear that is I just wonder why people think it's boring to see Alabama in it every year, to see uh, two SEC schools more times often than not in the college football playoff semifinals. Like, Why is it boring? Um, if they are the best teams in college football, then they are the best teams in college football, and they deserve to be there. And you know what? If you're if you're not that, then do better. I have always felt that way, and, and which is why I've always just been kind of um, kind of concerned when I hear that continuous. Oh, it's boring. But you know what? The difference about that, too, like I can't compare it to the NBA because in the NBA, a lot of times you don't have as much roster turnaround on those same teams, whereas in college football, you have so much roster turnaround that it can't be boring. It can never be boring because these teams can look different every year. Tanner does bring up a stat. The same four teams have never made the college football playoffs. Are you talking consecutively or just in general? Tanner. Oh, Tanner's checking. He has a stat, um, but he's still executing the uh, key points of that stat. Uh, You know, I I think for a lot of people, there may be SEC, um, what's the word, fatigue? Sure. Sure. Sure, there might be SEC fatigue. Tanner, you want to finish up that stat? You got it You got it in front of you? Yeah, so obviously, yeah, we've seen a lot of Alabama. We've seen a lot of Georgia, Ohio State, et cetera. Uh-huh. The same four teams have never made the college football playoff. 
like sure. consecutively or just in general? In general. Okay. Like we see, there has never been a repeated four in the, how long has this been now? In the eight years. Something like that, yeah. We've had the college football playoff. The same four teams have never repeated. So every year has been a different group of four. Yeah, it's a, um, I, I think people look at it and, and maybe, um, Maybe it's done just kind of generically, well, Alabama all the time, and then Clemson all the time. Um, and that can be kind of confused with maybe one school's in there two out of three years or something like that. Um, and, I, and I think Blue Bloods, kind of, you know, in basketball, we talk about the Blue Bloods. In college football, you have the powerhouses, and the powerhouses, um, yeah, they're there, but they've also earned their way to be there. And by the way, um, you expand, they're still probably going to be there. So you're going to still get the same names. Yeah, you might get some new teams, sure, but they're still going to be there. And they'll still probably, from a 12-team format or a 16-team format, probably still get down to a four, maybe have some competition along the way. Um, you know, I think the point that I want to understand, well, I, I know the point. They want more teams because they want more money. College football now is more about money than anything else. We've said it before. It is a business. There is no other reason why these conferences and these presidents and chancellors would want to get together. I, you know, I, I said earlier, oh, maybe it's to get another seat at the table or get a seat at the table. Let's be nice. Let's not be naive any longer. I might have been naive when I said it. Um, there are hundreds of million do- millions of dollars on the table of new money just by adding more games. And we've seen it with the Big Ten with a rights deal that is, what, at $8 billion? College football is, the, the, the student-athlete experience is cool and all. It's really about the money if you're playing in the power conferences and getting into the power conferences. That's what it's all about. You still have to deliver the fine details. And that's why I still am not convinced that we're going to get a unanimous vote if they do vote on Friday, because they will meet virtually on Friday. I am not convinced we'll get a unanimous vote, and that's what it's going to take. Because I still believe in the group of fives. There's got, and, and keep in mind, I realize it was the Power Fives, three of the Power Five conferences that voted no in the last round. But if I'm the group of fives, hey, I want a seat at this table knowing that more money is going to everybody else, and we're sitting here and waiting. We're kind of unsure of our own future with what kind of television money is being thrown around. They're going to get a ton, and they'll get a ton more in a college football playoff format, and, and we might get what? The same? Like, if I, I'll, I'll look at Craig Thompson, for example. He's been a part of this, and, and part of the, the, uh, the proposal they had in February, he was a part of it, was rejected. The Mountain West may very well likely in a new television deal get the same amount, if not less, um, than what it is getting currently, depending very much on the status of Boise State and San Diego State and Fresno State and UNLV, which is what that all hinges on. If they are there, that's important. So if I'm Craig Thompson, if I don't know what my conference is going to look like in two years, then... I'm left to ask the question, why should I sit, look at something that could be 12 teams 
with maybe still one, you know, handout for a group of five team. And then, um, you know, why should I look at that and be happy with it? You know, I'd like to see something where, again, every conference and incentives. If you're a group of five team and you win a, a, a college football playoff game, you get a bonus you know, reward for winning that goes to your conference and gets shared amongst its teams, like in college basketball. College basketball to March Madness, you have units, and every win gives your conference units. That leads to money that goes to your conference that um, – you know, that gets shared. And that's important. That, I think, is the sticking point. And if it's 12 teams, if I'm a group of five member, I say no. I don't agree to it. Because all it's going to be is bigger for the big. And a still one probable handout, which is what, you I mean, you kind of have for a, a New Year's Six game, it's a handout for a chance at a championship, but it's still a handout. And at some point, these conferences, these group of fives are going to have to get together and, and stick up for itself. You don't want to be handouts anymore. You want an actual chance. I would, um, I, I would go for that. I would, uh, I, I would understand that as well. Uh, you can text us at 808-296-1420. I'll go to some of your texts in a second via our Zephyr Insurance text line. Right now, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard, which is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. The uh, the highlight tonight, Serena Williams advances to the third round of the U.S. Open, a three-set win over Contavite, the number two seed in the U.S. Open. 7-6-2-6-6-2. Serena advances to the third round, saying, and I quote, a little left in me, close quote. And uh, she had to dig deep for that win today. A big win for Serena Williams. Major League Baseball on our sister station, CBS 1500. The Yankees have a one nothing lead on the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That's in the top of the fifth inning. Bottom of the 11th in Cincinnati. Reds and cards of the bases loaded. Well, the Reds have the bases loaded in the bottom of the 11th inning. That game's tied at two with two out. Bottom of the ninth, Twins trailing the Boston Red Sox 6-5. to five. Top of the ninth in Chicago, White Sox leading the Kansas City Royals 4-1. to one. Tony La Russa, the manager for the White Sox, did have a procedure done yesterday. He is out indefinitely. Giants today, they lose. I'm starting to get used to it, and it's unfortunate. Padres win 5-4 to four in San Francisco. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. Traffic here. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. In that last segment, I asked people, hey, um... If you still have your fortune cookie from your last fortune cookie. No, wait. Let me. Let's rewind. If you still have your fortune from your last fortune cookie. Because if you still had your last fortune cookie means you didn't eat it and you didn't see the fortune. If you still had the last fortune from your last fortune cookie. um, What is it? Share it with us. Uh, Devin tweeted it and he had a picture. His fortune said, your best investment is in yourself. All right, do we uh, do we rate that as a real 
fortune feeling fortune or do we still feel like we're being talked down to when reading that tanner how do you judge that i think that's nice advice okay i don't think it's a fortune <laughs> so so far the two fortunes we've had we had two Devin's bad advice had, he had yeah. good advice okay but they're still, still not yet fortunes. To see a fortune they are um yeah it, it's like it's like you eat a fortune cookie and out pops your parents <laughs> is that you should is, really invest in yourself some more is that, is that what you want in your fortune cookie hearing your parents on paper hey uh don't forget uh a week from saturday uh hawaii and michigan uh we are going to be at big city diner in ypo as uh, we bring you countdown to kickoff we being our crew myself and uh, Coach Arnold Martinez will be on the air at noon, uh, leading you up to kickoff at 2 o'clock. We'll have halftime there as well. Uh, Big City diner, diner Meals and Poo Poo and so much more. That is September 10th. Sports Center next. Call the coach with Timmy Chang is 59 minutes away from Ruby Tuesday at the Moana Lua Shopping Center. If you're in traffic on your way down, uh, hang in there. Get down there, get a seat, get some good food, and uh, get ready for Call the Coach coming up a little bit later on here on ESPN Honolulu. In the meantime, you can call me your appetizer to Call the Coach. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All of our guests, uh, when they appear, they do so courtesy of our hotline. We're going to rerun our interview with Terry Obie, the uh, Western Kentucky radio analyst from the uh, uh, Hilltoppers uh, Learfield ISP Sports Network that coming up uh, just after the bottom of the hour. We talked a little bit about uh, their quarterback, their offense, and a little bit about Terry Obie, who played in the uh, National Football League for three years, played for uh, Minnesota, and played for Chicago. We were spending some time on the college football playoff, and um, we got a few texts on it. Uh, one of it, you know, going back to a caller earlier, one of the texts, going back earlier to a, a caller who said, you know, I'm just tired of seeing the same four teams. And which is, I mean, we haven't seen the same four teams consistently in a, a college football playoff. It feels like it. I get it. It feels like it. Um, I said I, I think there are some people who have um, SEC fatigue. As one texter says here, the texter from the 479, it's not fatigue, jealousy. That's probably true. Um, jealousy is probably a good word for it, and I would uh, I would throw out as well that, you know what? What do you want to see? Do you want to see good football? Or do you want to see, um, you know, just names? If you want to see good football, then I'm fine if I saw Alabama every year. And they haven't been in every single college football playoff. All but one. I'm fine if I see Oklahoma. I'm fine if I see Georgia. I'm fine if I see Clemson. Now, of course, um, I would not be fine if they didn't deserve it. But if they did, 
I would have zero issue with seeing those teams playing in the college football playoff on a yearly or nearly every year basis. If you want new teams, well, um, that's where I think expansion comes in, but it's not like you're going to see all new teams. Hey, in the NBA, you have, um, you know, you've had LeBron's teams in there more often than not. Remember those years where it was Golden State and Cleveland? Or at least Golden State and LeBron's teams? But yeah, I think you had what Golden State, Cleveland, uh, three or four years ago in a row. Remember that? Um, and I know there were people at that point in time complaining about, "Oh, this is boring. It's the same old thing." Um, seeing Steph Curry in the finals, of course, this is uh, Kevin Durant years as well. You know, it, you you see greatness, and you probably don't appreciate greatness if you're calling greatness in front of you boring you know that's that's uh that's not great but i think you know you can have everything that you want and uh, and i and i think it's important to be able to do it the right way i think you can have names and i think those names can come from the idea of having every conference champion. I think the names can come from uh, seeing a Pac-12, seeing a uh, seeing a Pac-12 team just get there because we don't see it all that often. Seeing a Big 12 team get there that doesn't always happen. You know, I I think you can achieve what you want and still have the same teams. And ultimately get to the same teams, uh, like we talked about earlier. But I really do believe that format matters. I believe television contract is going to matter here, and this might you know jumpstart an extension, and it might lead to new partners in the college football playoff because there are people that kind of want to get ESPN out of the business of it and see other names in the fray getting opportunities at broadcasting college football playoff games, and you know ESPN's going to want none of that. Um, but I am, you see, I, I am, like I said last last segment, I have little hope that you'll get a unanimous agreement on whatever it is that they're going to vote on. If they do vote, we don't know if they will vote, if it's going to be 12 teams or if it's going to be 16 teams. And to me, if it's 12, it's a no. This is a great opportunity, and I think you know the chancellors and presidents that make up the Mountain West and the Sun Belt and the Conference USA and the American Athletic, this is a great opportunity for them to show some gumption. And it could backfire, sure, but um, if I had a hand to play, I would play it this way. And I'll, I'll, I'll play myself here as Craig Thompson. Because I would go to them, and in fact, I'd take all five of these, a group of five presidents and um, chancellors, and I, and I would say to the group, look, guys, I know you want it because, A, you want more money, and you want to reward some of these conferences getting bigger, and I, and I know that you know there's some selfishness here 
in trying to get to 12 teams. I, I get it. But you know what? Um, we could derail this whole thing. Right? We could we could put a kibosh on this real fast. You don't want to give us more opportunities to be a part of it and make more money of our own off of it instead of, you know, except for just the, uh, oh, you'll get a handout to compete for a championship. The one great group of five team, and maybe you get a second if you're good enough and you fall into a top 12 and get in a net large, but we know a committee is going to sideswipe that real fast. If you don't give us a real opportunity, we could just vote no, and you won't get your college football playoff expansion in 2024, which means that's no more money you might be getting from a television partner, whether it is all from ESPN or if it's from someone else, that's nothing there, which means, um, you know, uh, you're, you're stuck with the four and making a lot of people in college football unhappy. Because and maybe it affects your ability to uh, affect college football realignment, that this is part of the plan for college football realignment. Maybe that has something to do with it, too. It's, it's very possible. But you can think of it like um, I, I think of the Athletic Directors Association, uh, the Hawaii High School Athletic Directors, they, they get together and. Um, they meet over the summer and they talk about different things and initiatives they can do to better high school sports. And it, it gets to like the big session. And a lot of times you'll see the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the leagues like the OIA and the ILH and so on. Uh, you oftentimes see them vote in blocks and, um, you know, voting together instead of a, a school going rogue Voting in blocks usually solidifies one way or another what's going to happen, especially when it's one of the bigger conferences like it, you know, the OIA, for example, or even if you talk about the ILH. Um, you can look at the group of fives like a block. Um, it only takes one, but one can easily be swayed. It would have to take all of them to affect some kind of real adjustment to what is done, some kind of change, some some kind of belief that, you know what, we're going to have a seat at the table. Now, it could backfire. And, you know, the way uh, college football is kind of running, they're, you know, they're kind of getting the NCAA out of the college football business. They want the college football playoff to run college football. And what could that mean? Um, you know, the college football playoff, I'm sure, could very well say, well, if you don't want to be a part of a, of a 12-team um, playoff system because you don't feel like you're going to get enough representation, then, you know, uh, we could very well just say, you know, college football, the football bowl subdivision will go on without you. And it's going to be us five Power Five conferences playing against one another, and you're going to be just another relegation of Division One, like the FCS. Eh, I, I could see that. I don't think it's great for college football. Um, I think you could you could ultimately see um, a, a little bit of fatigue there. That is worst-case scenario. I don't think that's going to happen. 
Football Bowl subdivision, I still believe, needs the group of fives because, what, 80-some-odd teams as, as power fives, maybe less than that, is just it's not enough, I think, to create interest and intrigue. Um, you know, you'll, you'll get some big matchups, but I do think you'd get a little bit of, of regular season fatigue. And I, and I, I think sometimes the San Diego States and the Ohio's and the occasional FCS's, I think they throw a little bit of spice into the college football playoff pot. And I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, getting a um, a Hawaii against Vanderbilt, you know, if, if the match was better or if the game was better, sure. Hawaii-Vanderbilt would, would have been, you know, really good. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't close. But having games like that are good. You don't want those to become FCS, FBS-like games. Um, I, I, I think it becomes kind of a waste. Speaking of Hawaii football, our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. Uh, texter from the 497 says, Hawaii is in the bottom 10 this week. Great locker room bulletin board material. Motivation. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's bottom 10. I, I don't know if that's motivation. Uh, in fact, I don't know that I, I'd want my guys looking at uh, college football's bottom 10. I don't, I don't need to see, I don't think you need to see that. I think looking back at the tape is probably enough to see that. I don't, I don't think you need it. Uh, the motivation should be looking at the score from last week and uh, using that as your reason to, to build back up against Western Kentucky. Uh, the bottom 10, and this is uh, Ryan McGee's bottom 10 at ESPN.com. Uh, UMass is what he calls UMass. <laughs> I, I loved his. Last year, the Minutemen scored 24 touchdowns in 12 games, which actually makes them the only one point scored per every four minutes, men. If you understand. Two, Hawaii, uh, part of the top ten. He said this, and I quote, I used to get so mad at my social studies teacher back in eastern North Carolina when she would pronounce the name of the state, Hawaii. But Saturday night after getting steamrolled 63-10 to 10 by bottom 10 stalwart Vanderbilt, as he says, Vanderbilt, Rainbow Warriors QB hero turned head coach Timmy Chang was likely saying it like that too, as in, uh, why uh, did I come back here? Close quote. And we know Timmy's not saying that. Uh, that's a little, it's a little bit of comedy coming from, uh, coming from one half of Marty McGee. Rest of the top 10, or bottom 10, uh, New Mexico State, Akron, the uh, uh, New Mexico, which he calls National Autonomous University of Mexico, uh, FIU, UConn, New Mexico. Oh, I guess it's New Mexico State. Is that New Mexico State? No. No. National Autonomous University of Mexico is real. Really? They're real? Oh. Okay, that is real. They don't have a football team. New Mexico, uh, ULM, which is Louisiana, and uh, Nebraska. Vanderbilt got out of the top 10. I don't, I mean, honestly, after that performance in week zero, you know, two things come to mind. Um, A, 
I think one of the things that stands out is when you lose like that in week zero, yeah, you're going to find yourself in a bottom 10 because it's week zero. There's a good and a bad that comes out of that week zero. The good was Hawaii got some good pub going into that Vanderbilt game, right? You had um, ESPN.com do a great piece on on Tibby Chang. Um, CBS Sports HQ, they had a, a, a couple minutes where they highlighted the University of Hawaii getting ready for that matchup against Vanderbilt. And it does help when you're playing an SEC team that, you know, that all kind of comes together. So, you know, you had um, you had some things that I, you know, kind of help give you some, some good publicity. And you're on national television. Yes, you're playing an SEC team. You're naturally going to get talked about because you've got a new coach. That new coach knew how to set some records uh, when he was playing way back when. The bad side of it is when you play Vanderbilt and lose 63-10, to 10, the, uh, you know, that's the unfortunate. When that happens, um, it goes from really good story. You can't get ignored. You can't get ignored after that. Because people see that and uh, they immediately kind of judge you a lot more than they would if, let's say, this was a week one game. You can get buried in week one and not be talked about as much because when you've got like Notre Dame, Ohio State playing against one another, people aren't talking about Vandy and Hawaii. But week zero uh, with a few power conference teams playing, yeah, they'll start paying attention to you a little bit more. And uh, you can't afford a 63-10 to 10 loss like that. It just doesn't uh, doesn't play out well. Uh, we'll check on traffic here in a moment. Speaking of Hawaii football, call the coach is coming up tonight at 6, Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lewis Shopping Center as uh, we look back at the Vanderbilt game and we look ahead to uh, Hawaii and Western Kentucky. You can call and text in your questions and uh, be a part of the conversation with Coach Timmy Chang. It is brought to you by Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, HGEA, Hawaiian Financial Credit, uh, Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, IBEW Local 1186, and by PAXA. Traffic here. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, we got volleyball tickets to give away still. Uh, we'll do that coming up in a little while. Four tickets to uh, Hawaii Volleyball tomorrow night. A uh, couple of text messages. Hank texts in from the 342. Worst case scenario, we lose 63-10 to 10 this Saturday. Going into Michigan next week. What then? I don't know. I don't think we're losing 63-10 to 10 on Saturday against Western Kentucky, but I do think Western Kentucky is a darn good team. Are you knocking on wood? I'm knocking on wood. Is this loud enough? Knocking on wood. I don't think that's going to happen. Western Kentucky's good. 16-point um, favorite. I don't I don't know if we should be talking uh, with a 16-point underdog, which Hawaii is. I don't, I don't know that we're talking about 63-10. to 10. Uh, one more here. This is from Ryan in Hilo. Ryan in Hilo, my hometown's repping. Have I met Ryan in Hilo? I don't know. There are many Ryans who live in Hilo, I'm sure. When is Coach Chang going to visit the fans on the Big Island? I don't know. Um, maybe after the season, potentially. Maybe during the season if they're out recruiting someone on Hawaii Island. I don't know. Um, maybe that's a good question to ask Timmy Chang during Call the Coach. That uh, that ask that one just after six o'clock. See if uh, see if that gets asked, 
and uh, see if he answers that. No, I, I shouldn't say see if that gets asked because I think if you send in that question during Call the Coach, I think they would let it through, um, and I maybe he'll answer it. And uh, maybe he'll also throw in uh, uh, a mention of stopping by uh, KTA Superstores, seeing the guy behind the man in the pan, Uncle Derek. Man in the pan! Yeah. Don't don't shake your head at me because you know what? Last time, last time I was on the Big Island. Unfortunately, it was for a funeral. Uh, but but the first thing the first thing we did, flew in early in the morning. KTA Superstores breakfast. That could have come off a lot better, I'm sure. <laughs> We've got traffic here. Uh, this is the Sports Animals. We'll replay our conversation with Terry Obi, Western Kentucky's radio analyst. That's coming up. This is ESPN Honolulu 92.7 FM at 1420 AM. Volleyball tickets for tomorrow night. That's still to come. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We are 30 minutes away from Call the Coach as well as we get ready for Western Kentucky and Hawaii on Saturday. We spoke with Terry Obi, former NFL wide receiver, played in Oregon collegiately, and um, uh, he was on with us. He's the uh, radio analyst for the uh, Western Kentucky Learfield ISP Sports Network. And uh, I asked him to take us back to last week that uh, – a uh, matchup against Austin P, and so uh, we started there in our conversation. Western Kentucky is a uh, a pretty big favorite against the University of Hawaii as they get ready coming up on Saturday. Western Kentucky is considered what a sixteen point favorite, something along those lines going in. Uh, happy to have uh, one of the voices on their radio broadcast, Terry Obi, uh, who is their color analyst. He joins us now here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. And Terry, I appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time. I know you guys fly out here uh, tomorrow. A, a lot of people are asking uh, about that game against Austin P, a 38-27 to 27 game there to open the season. Um, what do you take away from that season opener? I mean, it's 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 week zero. It is uh, you know a lot of a lot of people are still learning not only about the opponent but about each other as well. I mean, what do you take away from that Austin P matchup last week? Yeah, first of all, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it was really interesting in that that particular game. Uh, the WKU start off uh, start off really well, and the offense. The, the big thing of the year was just to see how well the offense would would come through and Austin Reed made some good plays and there was a couple of times he, he was shaky there, but I guess overall uh, we did a really good job offensively and uh, defensively. And the, the main thing, there was also a turnover on special teams. So overall they, they did, they did pretty well come compare, especially coming in the first, you know, to, you know, game of the season. It, it makes it really difficult. Yeah, that was the first game, obviously, uh, for Austin Reed. The uh, the transfer throws for 279 yards and four touchdowns. And and, and I know there was some turnaround you know, several weeks before the season started uh, in the quarterback room. Um, you're you're someone that knows offense. So uh, when you see a quarterback like Reed, what does he present to the wide receivers uh, that he'll be throwing to? Uh, what he presents, he's a, he's really feisty. He's a really good quarterback, and he has a strong arm. But sometimes his arm gets in trouble because he's a gunslinger. He'll try to make those throws and in, in tight places. So 
for a receiver, being a former receiver myself, you love to know that he's going to throw. If he sees a little opening, he's going to throw it to the wide receivers, and that's a that's a that's a good thing. But sometimes they're getting hurt. But the offensive line has really been protecting him well, so giving enough time to throw the ball. You know, look and looking at that game, I mean, he threw it thirty-four times. Um, they threw for two hundred seventy-nine yards uh, in that game. Is that kind of along the lines? I mean, there was actually quite a bit of balance offensively, uh, pass and run. Is is that kind of how Western Kentucky wants it to be? Um, you know, thirty-four passing attempts. They ran the ball thirty-two uh, thirty-two times. Or do you expect to see it slanted a little more pass? Um, how, how does that? How should that look? You know, in a perfect world, you know, you want to be balanced. So they were happy that they were able to do that. But uh, the, all, the Western Kentucky offense is known for throwing the ball first. Uh, with Zappy last year, of course, he was at the realm. He could check off and, and make decisions when he want to make decisions. And now I just think that Austin Reed is just getting comfortable with the program. Once he really figures it out and sit there and, and do a really good job, then, then they'll open a playbook up a little bit more to him. But the running backs have been really been uh, taking off and doing well. And, and, and I was expecting them to – uh, they, they did really. Jakari Moses uh, stepped up. Kyle Robichaux stepped up and made some plays. But they have a they have a host of uh, running backs that can do really well. But really, our big key has really been the offensive line. I mean, there's a lot of veterans up there, and and if, if we can be consistent uh, with, with Coach Helton, he he wants to make sure if we can have a balance, that'd be great. But really, they prefer to pass the ball. And for Coach Helton, uh, this is his return to Hawaii. Uh, he was a GA for a year. He worked on the special team side uh, for a few years. Uh, he has certainly grown, uh, hasn't he, from from that point in time? And you've seen him now at, at, at Western Kentucky. You, you've seen a little bit of that growth. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the growth. I mean, because me being a former coach, and I got a chance to just to do some, you know, a little board talk with him and, there's a lot of things that he's grown up in and then hiring coaches, getting players and, and making that adjustment to this level. He has done a, a really good job from where he was in Hawaii. He told me all the stories about being in Hawaii too. So I, I mean, I'm almost, I'm, I'm a professor at Western Kentucky. I wouldn't, that wouldn't be a bad job to go teach at the university of Hawaii either. Uh, my, my last time in Hawaii, uh, when I was, when I, I went to the university of Oregon, but I also took a recruiting trip to the university of Hawaii. Wow. Uh, what did you take away, by the way, from that recruiting trip? Just just curious. You know what? I, I thought it was a really good – I mean, I had a really good time. It was wonderful. I, I, it, was, it was really a close decision. It was either them or the University of Oregon. But uh, I, then I thought about my family being able – having an opportunity to come a little bit more games. So that was really the big kicker in making that decision. But overall, I thought that was a, a wonderful place. I think it was Tommy was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a long time. I'm probably my age, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, I remember remember that. I just remember the beautiful weather all the time. And I'm like, wow, I can get used to this. We're talking with uh, Terry Obi. He's the analyst on the uh, Western Kentucky uh, Learfield Broadcast Network. Uh, he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. By the way, what do you teach? Hey, I teach uh, sports management, entrepreneurship, and uh, also finance. So I have my uh, doctorate. And uh, so after coaching uh, for 15 years, I decided to get uh, finish my doctorate and, and go teach. I mean, it's, it's the same as coaching, but you just have a little bit more time to yourself. 
Let's talk about defense for just a little bit. I mean, there there are a number of things I I, I take away. You had uh, I think four. You had a couple of fumble recoveries. Um, you know, Austin P did get some yardage in there. Uh, that was also kind of balanced in 327 yards. I think of offense allowed by by Western Kentucky. But take me wait, uh, take me through what you saw from that defense. Oh yeah, the, the defense to me is going to bring a lot. I mean, you got a lot of veterans. Uh... Uh, returning and they're they're just really making making a lot of plays. I mean, if it wasn't for the defense, you know, the turn we led the turnover battle. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys stepped up, and you got a lot of new guys that stepped up and made some plays too. I mean, to me, Jockhead Jockhead Evans is number three. Uh, had two and a half sacks. He was all over the place. He had thirteen tackles. So he's he's a young guy that I I think is going to continue to make havoc. And then you got. Juwan Jones, who had 10 tackles, and then after, I mean, because Juwan Jones is mostly, he's a veteran, so he's he's been there, it's his senior year, and then Ignat, uh, the other linebacker, had six uh, total tackles, but overall, the defense, I mean, they, they came and hit pretty hard. We didn't really know what to expect, because we had a couple of corners that were in safety that were missing, but uh, Upton Stout uh, came through and, and made some plays, too, so Overall, I, I thought they, they, they really was around the football. And then when you get an interception for a touchdown, that kind of that's a really big thing for a program like that. And if you're offensive-oriented, if you can score on defense, that makes the, uh, the, the offensively even more better. By the way, since we're, you, know, you, you are a former wide receiver, I would, uh, it, it would be a disservice of mine if I didn't ask you about the guys uh, who have been hauling in touchdowns the last couple of games. And I saw the stat, you know, Malachi Corley's three touchdowns. Uh, second straight game, a receiver's caught three scores. Uh, Jared Stearns did it back in the Boca Raton Bowl in the last game, uh, back in the uh, the end of the 2021 season. Uh, but talk about Corley and uh, and 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 his uh, his ability to be such an asset on that offense. Yeah, I mean, really, he has really turned around already in the beginning. We call him Malachi Corley for shortly. So he's one of those guys that are just dependable. And he, he gets the route. And then when he gets his hands on the ball, he's, he's definitely going to catch it. And then the route running, and uh, I think this is gonna, he's going to have a really good year. But there's a host of wide receivers that can catch the ball in this type of offense. So you never know uh, who's going to make plays. But, of course, Malachi was the one that stood out in um, three touchdowns. That's, that's really good. And I don't just call them wide receivers. I call them wide retrievers. I talk to them all the time. If you go down the field, you don't catch the ball, that is your fault. So you don't work that hard, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field, and I bring that – we call that the bone. You bring that bone back. You're a wide retriever, not a wide receiver. You bring everything that's thrown back to the quarterback. You know, there was one other thing that I, I, I kind of noticed um, with, with, with Coach and, and uh, his program. I'm looking at that roster, and I see a lot of guys from California. I see guys, you know, Arizona and Texas. You know, sometimes you, you might make the assumption – uh, in that area, that heavy recruiting there around the state of Kentucky and those neighboring states, and there's certainly a lot of that. Um, but a lot of that outreach in seeing some of those uh, some of those states in the western part of the country, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. I mean, really, it's it's as a broadcaster, you would know now. It's hard to know what's going to happen from game to game with this, you know, this transfer portal from year to year. You don't know what's going to take place. You don't know the talent. You don't know what they're capable of doing because all you do is watch film. It doesn't matter where they live or 
what school they went to. I mean, if you watch video, you can recruit these kids all over the country and, and just make them offer to come to your school. So it's like the wild, wild west, literally. So whoever is available, they just go get them. And, and also, you got to understand, the West Coast ties with, with Coach Helton, his brother was at USC for a long time. So he, he was familiar with recruiting a lot of these guys that we have on this roster. That's Terry Obi, the uh, analyst for the Western Kentucky uh, Learfield Sports Radio Network. Terry, I appreciate your time. Have a safe flight tomorrow. We'll see you on Saturday. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you guys, though. All righty. Good, good luck with the rest of the show and also the games, okay? Yeah, that was cool. Good to talk with Terry a little while ago uh, here on the show. And of course, kickoff on Saturday is at 6, preceded by countdown to kickoff. Uh, Coach Arnold Martinez and me, we'll see you. We will see you uh, 4 o'clock for a countdown to kickoff uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu and across the Rainbow Warrior Network. Uh, let's give away four volleyball tickets. Uh, Hawaii Volleyball looking for win number one of the season and uh, hosting a pretty critical uh, four-team effort coming up uh, tomorrow, Friday, and Sunday. It starts at Texas State tomorrow, and Texas State's and the others receiving votes. It's West Virginia on Friday, and then it is UCLA on Sunday Really critical matchups, of course. UCLA is ranked. Uh, dial in right now at 808-296-1420. We'll give away that family four-pack of passes for you to check out Hawaii and those teams that we've just mentioned in the Outrigger Volleyball Challenge. Those tickets to give away next. Right now, traffic. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up, call the coach with uh, with Timmy Chang. Also, final thought today. We have an update on our final thought, which I think was from yesterday. From friend-zoned to being one of the most popular people in baseball. Hey, we got that. Uh, we'll explain that coming up in just a little while. But as we mentioned, we've got uh, four tickets to give away for the Outrigger Volleyball Challenge, which starts tomorrow at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. West Virginia, UCLA, Hawaii, and Texas State are a part of that challenge. Uh, Hawaii tomorrow against Texas State. That's the 7 o'clock matchup. You will hear that right here uh, on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, let's get Trevor in here for a chance to win four tickets uh, to tomorrow's uh, matches. Trevor, how are you? Good. How are you? Good, Trevor. Did you follow a little bit on the uh, on how the team did last weekend? Uh, a little bit. I, I didn't start out so well, so hopefully we'll do better in this tournament. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, but one player did seem to stand out, was named to the Texas A&M All-Tournament team in uh, last weekend's uh, three matches there in College Station. Can you identify that Hawaii player who made it to the Texas A&M All-Tournament team? Sorry, I cannot. Oh, okay. Well, can you think of a name at least? I cannot. I haven't. I haven't read enough about the team yet this year. Okay. Well, uh, think about it. Maybe you can think of something and call him back in a little bit. Uh, Trevor could not think of anybody. Let's see if Joy can. Hi, Joy. Joy, hello. There is no joy in not having joy. That's a bummer. 
All right. Uh, that means the phone lines are open at 808-296-1420. Who is the Hawaii volleyball player, the lone Hawaii volleyball player that was named to the Texas A&M all-tournament team last week? Uh, even though Hawaii went 0-3, uh, this player certainly stood out. Here's a hint. If you were listening to the radio today, and I sure hope you were, this person was on the radio. It's the best hint I can give you because no one's actually taken a guess on it yet. Uh, let's see who will line up here at 808-296-1420. Scott's going to try it out. All right, Scott, good afternoon. How are you? Amber Igedi. No, no, it's not Amber Igedi. And she was not on the radio today. But, you know, a, 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 usually a really good guess. It was not Amber who was named to the Texas A&M All-Tournament team. Good try, Scott. Uh, let's see who else we can get in here. Jerome is going to give it a try. What's up, Jerome? Oh, hi. Um, what is the question again? Name the Hawaii player who was named to the Texas A&M All-Tournament team in that volleyball event last weekend. Uh, wasn't it um, Westerberg? It was Tiffany Westerberg. And uh, Jerome, you know that, so you're going to see volleyball tomorrow. Great job. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. Hang on. We'll get your info. It was indeed Tiffany Westerberg. She was on the radio earlier today on Let's Talk Sports, uh, talking with Kanole, he and Christian Shimabuku. And if you missed it, uh, you can check it out a little bit later on demand at ESPNHonolulu.com. In those three matches, 25 kills, a team-high seven blocks, and, um, man, they needed her. Um, She had to slide back into the middle. Uh, where she's been kind of just pinballing around different positions, and they really needed her to kind of step back in there, and she did a really good job. You heard her earlier today. Uh, you know, Robin Almo has asked a lot of her to kind of move around, and and she basically said, yeah, um, whatever the team needs me to do, uh, I will do, and that's exactly what she's done. So uh, it's a credit to her for kind of um, kind of hanging in and uh, she made the most of the opportunity that she got last weekend. But this uh, this weekend is going to be no joke. UCLA is ranked. Texas State is in the others receiving votes. And West Virginia, Reed Sunahara, um, you know, has a team that will, will certainly be competitive. So uh, this will not be easy. But I think I feel pretty good in saying uh, there's some good volleyball that's going to be played this weekend. Uh, Friday. Tomorrow, Friday, Sunday at uh, Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Um, I I think you'll enjoy some of the matches and and an opportunity for the first time in a long time to see Hawaii volleyball with the opportunity to fill up that venue. We haven't had that in a while uh, because of COVID-19, and it's been since 2019 since we've had a chance to see a, a, a full house. By the way, that West Virginia team, that will be by here, two and one record, Five-set win over Loyola, uh, straight-set win against Duquesne, and then a loss in four uh, to Penn State that was in their last match last Saturday. All right, uh, final thought today. You know, um, I was it yesterday's show or was it Monday's show? I don't remember. Um, but we noted being friend-zoned. A guy named Mark did because someone decided to um, you know get a message on the video board in Milwaukee. And on the video board, um, it basically it basically said, Mark, uh, 
basically said, hey, we value our friendship. Uh, A.K.A. Mark, I'm not going to name myself, but uh, you're in the friend zone. The folks in Cincinnati, uh, they took notice. And um, they put out a, or someone put out a message to Mark in Cincinnati. Message says here, Mark from Milwaukee, don't let the friend zone get you down. Good luck in free agency. Now, I mean, I don't know how good or bad you should feel about that. Um, if you haven't done very well in free agency, then being in free agency is uh, probably the ultimate friend zone. But it's good that Mark has been noticed uh, by others in the National League Central. Uh, and what what did we hear uh, that apparently the, the Milwaukee Brewers noticed the note to Mark on the big board, and apparently the Brewers saw it, and then they said... Uh, Let's win this for Mark. Is that true? Was that that was something we saw uh, on social come out, right? Yeah, that was. Uh, oh, it was Yelich. It was Christian Yelich who saw it. Because Christian Yelich, he cares. Uh, saw that and said, you know what? We're playing this one for Mark. I want to know who Mark is at some point. I wonder if I wonder if Mark is going to allow us to find out his identity who he is, what he stands for, all those things. Uh, I would love to know if Mark knows that people are talking about him. That's it for us. Call the Coach is coming up next. I'm Josh Pacheco. We'll see you tomorrow. Week one in college football starts tomorrow. It's ESPN Honolulu.